John then concludes the letter with three thoughts. Those three thoughts then uh, provide for us our, our outline for this morning. Uh, so let's begin with key point number one. Key point number one is this. John assures us that we can know that we have eternal life because God himself has borne witness of Jesus. Let me say it again. John assures us that we can know that we have eternal life because God himself has borne witness of Jesus. Let's pick up at verse 6 and we'll read through verse 13. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony, that God has given us eternal life, and this, eter and this life is in his Son, and he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now let's pause there. Do you remember how John began his letter? If you reflect back in just a couple of weeks ago, we think about how John began this letter. Let me read it to you just to remind you. This is, this is the very beginning of 1 John, and it says this. He said, that which, was, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested or made known, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard and declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Did you hear all the different phrases that John chose to use, all these different phrases where he's saying, um, we walked with him, we talked with him, we examined him, we, we, we spoke with him. Listen, listen again, just listen to the highlights here. We have heard, we have seen with our eyes, we have looked upon, our hands handled, he was manifested, made known, we have seen, we bear witness, we declare it to you, we have seen, we have heard, we declare, he has manifested himself to us, the things which we have heard from him, we declare to you, hear it over and over and over, he's saying, listen, we've seen it with our own eyes, our own eyes, we, have, we encountered him, we talked with him, we examined him. John is beginning, he began the book with his own witness. 
He's saying, listen, I bear witness to these things. I saw it firsthand. And then here's what he's doing. He appealed to the reader based upon his apostolic authority. The fact that he was an apostle. He is saying, I was there, I saw it, and I'm declaring it to you. And now in chapter 5, here's what he does. He shifts gears and he declares this. Don't just take my word at it. Uh, Don't just take my word. Don't just listen to me, even though I saw it, I declare it. I've I've done all this and God manifested. He said, don't just listen to me. Don't just listen to my word. God himself bears witness of the same things that I'm declaring to you. And that's what he's saying in chapter 5, right here in these verses. verses, He said, listen, don't just take my word for it. I, I have reason, and I've seen him, and I've handled him, and I've examined, I know. But God himself even affirmed. Look again at verses 7 and 8. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, that's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. If you've ever wondered, does the Scripture clearly teach the doctrine called the Trinity? There it is. There's one strong, solid example of, and within the Scripture that God the Father, God, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are, in fact, three in one. And then look at verse 8. It says, And there are three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, that's again, that's the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. The water and the blood. And these three agree as one. Now that one's a bit uh, more tricky, right? It's like, what? What's going on here? Well, let's do this. Quiz time, right? Uh, We'll give you a pass if you haven't heard me say this before, but some of you have probably heard me say this over and over. Every time in Scripture that we see clothing, uh, what is it a picture of? Atonement. That's exactly right. Atonement. Every single time you see clothing in Scripture, whatever it is, whatever t- anytime you see clothing, pause. Look around at the context. Look at what's going on. Because in some way, the clothing is going to be a picture of atonement. Why? The word atonement means covering. It means to cover. And literally, the idea of atonement is that God is covering our sin. We think back to Adam and Eve. And what did they do? They made coverings for themselves. They made clothing uh, for themselves to cover their shame. It was a picture of atonement. Ultimately, it was pointing us toward, toward the atonement of Christ. What I want to do this morning, I want to give you another word. If you can remember, every time you see clothing, it reminds us of atonement. I want you to consider this. Water is used throughout Scripture as a source of cleansing. Every time you see the word water, every time you see water appear, every time you see it, you should ask yourself, how does this help us understand the cleansing power of Christ? How does this help us to understand him better? Let's consider some great water moments of the Bible. Consider this. Jesus told the man born blind. He he put some, some mud on his eyes. And then he told him what? Hey, go wash in the pool of Siloam. By the way, this is the same pool of water in which the priest would go and get water in golden pitchers and take them up and offer that as sacrifices. What was going on there? It was a picture of what? Cleansing. Jesus' very first miracle. What was it about? Jesus' very first miracle was turning water into wine. But if you look closely, what were those water pitchers uh, that were being used? 
it says that the pitchers that the water was being stored in, there were, there were six of them, six water pots, and they were filled with, the, the, you know, they, in fact, they were empty. But here's what's fascinating. They were supposed to be filled with water and used for spiritual cleansing. That was the old, the old system. That was, the old, that was what they used it for. Water is a picture of spiritual cleansing. What did Jesus do in that situation? He took the old system and did what? Revealed the new system. The old spiritual cleansing, water, and he replaced it with wine, pointing us to what? His blood. His shed blood. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. Why did he do that? Spiritual cleansing. It was a picture of spiritual cleansing. Now, those are all New Testament. What about the Old Testament? Consider this. Noah's flood. What? What was Noah's flood about? It was a type of baptism. It was a picture of what? Cleansing. It was a picture of cleansing of the world. It literally was a baptism of the whole world. What about this? When Moses and the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, it was also a type of baptism. How is that? What were they doing? They were coming out of bondage in Egypt, and they were brought through the water. It was a picture of cleansing. It was a type of baptism. Let me give you two more examples that are really important to our context, and we'll bring it back around. When Jesus was speared in his side at the crucifixion, what flowed from his body? Water and blood. Blood and water. Both pictures of what? Cleansing. Both pictures of cleansing through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. There are two ordinances that, observe, that we observe as a church that remind us of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. Both are in view of the blood and water that flowed from Jesus. So let's tie it all together with one last example. John the Baptist. What was he doing? He was baptizing people who needed what? Spiritual cleansing. While we think of baptism largely in the context of just the New Testament, it actually has its roots in the Old Testament. It has its roots in, in uh, what, what they did in many situations. We think of baptism as just a, uh, something that is unique to the New Testament church, but it was a common practice among Jewish people. And that's why we see Jesus get baptized. Jesus himself. What does the word baptize mean? Well, the Greek word is baptizo. Baptizo. And it literally means to immerse fully underwater. That's what it means. It's not sprinkled, it's not poured on, it's it literally, the literal Greek word, baptizo, means to fully immerse underwater. And the Jewish, the Hebrew people, they had, they would go into what's called a mikvah, M-I-K-V-E-H or V-A-H, mikvah. And what would they do? The mikvah was the pool of water. And it was for this pool of water that they would immerse themselves in for spiritual cleansing. And when would they do this? They did this on lots of different occasions. They would do it uh, whenever the priest would, would head to the temple to make sacrifices on behalf of people. He would make sure that he had baptized, he was baptized before he went there, that there was some type of spiritual cleansing. There's one in particular that stands out, and that is baptism was necessary for spiritual cleansing before any major event. But one in particular stands out, and that's marriage. Every single time someone would get married, uh, the, the, the bride 
and the bridegroom would each get baptized. They would be fully immersed in water as a symbol of spiritual cleansing before uh, they were baptized. So the baptism, in fact, I, you know, there's a, there's a whole connection there with the evangelistic process, right? We accept Christ. We accept his proposal to become the bride of Christ. And what's our first step of obedience? The same thing it was in the Jewish tradition, and that is to immerse ourselves and to accept that proposal. So baptism, the baptism specifically of Jesus, serves as a witness to Christ and his incarnational ministry as he came into the world. Why? Because a trusted and respected prophet named John the Baptist affirmed Christ as the Messiah. Keep in mind, John the Baptist was the son of well-known parents. His father was Zacharias. Zacharias was a descendant of King Abiha. He was the fourth king of Judah. In fact, this means that he was a descendant of none other than King David himself. So that's a pretty significant heritage. That's a pretty significant lineage that, that, that we have here. That John the Baptist came from the lineage of King David. So he was, he was well known. His mother, Elizabeth, she was a descendant of Aaron. Aaron. I mean, that's pretty significant. We've got two, two people, the parents of John the Baptist, and then John the Baptist himself was well-respected. Well-respected prophet. He not only baptized Jesus, but he pointed people to Jesus as the Lamb of God. And it was at the baptism of Jesus that God the Father spoke from heaven. And he affirmed, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. It's also at the baptism of Jesus that the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. So what do we see? We see that there is a witness called water. A witness on the earth. What is that water? It points us to the very baptism of Jesus. And how his baptism is a testimony of his incarnation. Of his coming into this world. Pretty incredible. In fact, again, John is saying, don't just take my word for it. Consider this. All the circumstances around the water baptism of Jesus does what? Points to the legitimacy of his ministry and who he is. Not only that, the crucifixion of Jesus does what? It makes the same claims. And that's where we get the blood, the idea of the blood. So the Holy Spirit, the baptism of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus are all what? The Apostle John says they're all in agreement. They're all in agreement. They're all pointing us to and affirming the ministry of Jesus. These three are complete, in complete agreement with one another. And that's a beautiful picture.